So during COVID, there were a lot of times I could tell you when, when we were nervous, people were nervous. We didn't know what was going to be. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what the next day would bring. And, and I could tell you in many ways, I think many of us act, acted, we were on our better behavior. It was hard to maintain that behavior. But sometimes when you're nervous, you, you, uh, you act better. And the Chavetz Chaim, he says that we see from the fact that Yaakov, what did he do? He's scared. He's scared he's going to go to this criminal. What does he ask God? He says, God, I know how bad it is if a person says Lashon Hara. And I need to be safe. So I'm asking you, God, to help me that I should be able to, uh, to not gossip and to talk nicely. And it Second in the Chavetz Chaim said, which I think is really, really powerful, that so Yaakov was nervous. He's going to be in the company of the world-renowned swindler. And he realizes that he might be impacted. So what does he do? He asks God, I'm nervous. I don't want to talk like that guy. I want to be a refined person and a kind person and a generous person. Therefore, God, I'm asking you for help. And I think this is something that uh, I've heard in, on the street, and it's, and it's not true. We certainly see from here that we're, when, in order to act appropriately, to be a nice person, a generous person, a kind person, it's very hard. And it's reasonable to feel like maybe you won't be able to do it without God's help or without someone's help. It's okay to get help. If you look throughout Judaism, Judaism is replete with all kinds of hacks. For example, I'll give you an idea. On, on Shabbos, person, you know, if you just follow the letter of all the laws, the person is not supposed to write on Shabbos. Well, we have a, the tradition is, that not only don't we write, we don't pick up a pen. And throughout Judaism, there's all these like fences around kosher is full of them, Shabbos, relationships, everything is full of them. And it's okay. It's okay. And it's wise to not jump into the lion's den. And especially when it comes to relationships, person we see from here should say, you know what? I get it. I may not be able to act the way I'd like to. I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to turn to friends to help me out. So Jacob gets to uh, the town where his, his, his mother's family is from. And what does he do? The first thing he does, he goes and he sees all the workers in town who were the shepherd, shepherding their sheep, and they're at the well. And Jacob says to all of the, uh, the, the employees who were there with the sheep, he says, my brothers, where are you from? Now, he, he just met them, and he's calling them brothers. And he says, and they have this nice, very pleasant conversation. And the Hemek Dover, the famous Hemek Dover, the Nitziv, says that here you see that it is appropriate to be friendly even to strangers. Sounds like a foreign idea. But but uh, in, our, in our very, you know, we're kind of in our are closed up in our social media headphones phone 
generation, we, we have the ability sometimes to just really lock in. And we see here that uh, very simple idea, but a very important idea. Yaakov, right away, he met people. The Torah takes the time to record the dialogue. He said, my brothers, call them my brothers. Now, if you look at the, the conversation, what does he ask them? Remember, he hasn't met his father, his mother's brother. Um, he comes to town and he says, where are you from? So it turns out they're from the same place as his family. And he says, do you know Laban? You know, And they said, we know him. Then he asks, is everything okay with him? And they say things are good. And the Stephano points out an interesting idea. He says, what do you think? Yaakov was just a, a yenta? From the movie, he he wasn't a, he just wasn't a fact finder. He when you meet he was about to meet his family, and you know he wanted to be sensitive. He has no idea, you know, when you know something about someone. Not, no, the point is not to be prying and to be, you know, uh, just nosy. But it, when you know something about someone, you know how they're doing in general. Maybe some life cycle event that happened to them. And you're able to just be so many times. I'm sure we've all had conversations, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, if I would have known that about that that was going on in their life, I would have said things differently." And it's happened to all of us, and happens to me. And it's tricky because you can't be expected to know to know things, but we should try our best to try to be as sensitive as we can, and 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 to find out information that is appropriate to find out, so a person could be. Uh, sensitive in that in that way. So there's a famous story that sorry. So I'll tell you the story first. Story goes, there was a uh, great rabbi. He passed away, I think, in the 60s, 70s. His name was Rabbi Kahaneman, the Panovich Rebbe. He really, really built up Israel and B'nai Brak, and, and he was just an amazing, amazing rabbi. He traveled the world raising money to build up Israel. And he was known as this traveling great rabbi who, again, this was not 24. 2021, when you gave him a donation, he gave you a kiss. So that doesn't really fly today so much, at least not in most circles. But he was just this man that oozed love for people. People just felt like he loved them. And one of the things that he was often able to do is that he was able to speak his mind. He would show up to Providence and, and he would just like tell people how it is and people would just be, would lick it. They would love it. And, and something one time asked him, he said, you know, how do you do that? You know, I can know someone for years, family, friends. And if I say the slightest thing, everyone gets all insulted. And Rabbi, you show up, you say whatever you want. And people just, they can't get enough of it. What's your secret sauce? And this is a really good secret sauce to know because we all have family and friends and work colleagues. And a lot of times there's things that need to be said and we can't say them because we're like, oh my gosh, well, if I say it, I'm going to get someone upset. 
So wouldn't it be really cool if we could learn from from our, our tradition on the Torah, what's the secret sauce that might help me to be able to say more things that need to be said? So there was a story with this great rabbi, the Panovich rabbi, and he, he used to spend a lot of time in Florida, a lot of rich Jews down there. And there was a particular business, let's say it was, I don't know, Goldberg's, you know, fabric company. And it wasn't a particularly um, observant family, but they were a proud Jewish family. And for years, he went to the grandfather. The grandfather passed away. Then eventually the son was in charge. And then the son retired. Finally, it was the third generation of the Goldberg family. And this time he walks in. Now, unfortunately, this, like many, uh, like many stories in America, the the third generation uh, didn't necessarily feel so connected. wasn't necessarily interested in supporting uh, the land of Israel, um, and and berates the rabbi. Berates. He says, "I don't. I, I don't. You wait. You know, it's horrible what you're doing. You know, you got to get with the times." So the rabbi comes out of the meeting. Didn't, didn't besides not getting his check, he got this whole earful. Not very respectful. And his driver, he gets in the car. And he starts to cry. And the driver says, you know, Rabbi, you come, you know, it's, don't worry, it's going to be okay. We'll get money from somewhere else. He says, no, 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 no. I'm not crying for the money. We'll get the money somewhere else. You know, there's plenty of Jews out there with money. I said, I'm crying for, because this is a, this is a long lost cousin of mine. And he doesn't feel like he's part of the family. You know, that's what I do. I travel the world. I'm traveling to my extended family, the Jewish people. And we're all, and I really feel like we're family. And sadly, this long lost young cousin of mine doesn't feel like he's part of the family. He doesn't feel Jewish, doesn't feel like he wants to be a part of things. He says, that makes me so sad. And that was his secret sauce. The reason why he was able to pretty much say anything he wanted to was because he, he, people felt that he really cared about them. And he really loved them. And when people feel that you care for them and you love for them, obviously you still should be discriminated about what you say. But people feel that, then they don't they don't get upset about what you say. They actually want to hear what you have to say because they they think that you're saying it. Uh, they know that you're saying it out of uh, out of love. And you know, I actually you know um, I'm very privileged. Uh, I, I have many people in my life who I'm privileged to have in my life, but I have one particular mentor over the years who he's, he's was able when I was younger. And even today, I'm really ha happy to hear anything he says, because I really, really feel his, it's hard with family. It's kind of harder sometimes, but this can happen even with family. So the, the model of the story is to love people, care about people, and not that's the reason you should, but if you do that, you'll be in a much better position to be able to maybe sometimes have those conversations that are very hard to have. And that's, we actually learned that from this Parsha, because in this week's Parsha, Jacob goes to the well. He sees all these workers. Now, right away, he realizes these workers are not being very productive. They're wasting time. They're supposed to be watering, you know, uh, allowing the sheep to drink from the well, and they're sitting around schmoozing. 
Now he wants to tell them, you guys got to, you guys are being paid by the hour. But he realizes he can't just talk. They're going to be, who are you? What does he do? He starts off. He's friendly. My brothers, my sisters. And, and that's just an amazing uh, lesson that, um, you know, uh, we all we all can uh, can try our best to emulate. Fame, one of the most famous biblical icons is in this week's Torah portion, Jacob's Ladder. Jacob tra is traveling from Israel to visit his wife's, his mother's family. And what does he do? He's tired. He had just spent 14 years in a rabbinical college, the only one in the world. And he was pretty, the, 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 the Midrash says he never slept on a bed all 14 years. He would just like kind of collapse on his desk. This was the first time in 14 years he's lying down. Where does he lie down? He lies down. And he on a dirt floor and rocks. That's Jacob's ladder. He falls asleep and he has the famous dream. Jacob's ladder is a dream. He dreams he's, and he, he has a vision of a ladder that go, starts on this world and it goes up to the heavens. And he sees angels going up and down. That's Jacob's ladder. There's a lot, a lot of metaphysical, really deep ideas there. A lot of world history is unfolds in front of Jacob at that time. But there's a lot of uh, imagery and symbolism with, with this image of Jacob's ladder. And one of them is, Rabbi Mordechai Ilan explains, based on the Chovas Halvavos, the, the book called The Duties of the Heart, that is a really cool idea. Now, anyone familiar with keeping kosher, so there's meat, there's milk, and there's parv, or sometimes it says parvin, or in Israel they say palva. But there's right, so there's milk, meat, and parv. Now, says the duties of the heart. Uh, when it comes to your soul's growth, there's no such thing as parv. What does parv mean? Parv means that that it. It's just stagnant. It, nothing happening. It's neither meat nor milk. When it comes to a person's soul, either you're growing or you're not growing. Either you're going up or you're going down. The other analogy is a ball on a hill. And those things is a ball staying still on a hill. Either you're pushing it up or it falls down. And that is the analogy to a person's soul. We don't say, you can't say, oh, you know, I am who I am. I like where I am. I'm going to be a part of person. No such thing as a part of person. Either you're growing or you're not. It's like a heart. You ever watch a heart screen? It goes up and down, up and down, up and down. A heart, a heart you know what happens to a heart screen that's straight and it's flat? Dead, right? So... A person's soul, you're, you're always, if you're not going up, you're going down. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty, it's an overwhelming thought, but it's not meant to be overwhelming. It's meant to be empowering. And that's the reality, that if a person is not growing, they're, they're, then they're atrophy. And I think a person's body is like that also, right? If a person doesn't take care of their body, it, you, you have to proactively take care of your body or it, it, it doesn't. It, gets hurt right you got to eat every day drink every day sleep every day take your vitamins uh 
take whatever, your medicine, exercise. If you don't do those things, then the natural, it just unwinds. And that's one of the messages, the, the, the um, imagery of Jacob's ladder, that, that you got to, you, if you're not going up, you're going down. You don't, you don't stay still. Um, okay. All right. So fast forward here. Jacob finds his, he finds Rachel and they agree to get married and his father-in-law tricks him. He ends up marrying both girls and they work for 14 years. He works for 14 years to have these wives. He ends up sticking around his father-in-law for 20 years, has 11 kids. And finally, after 20 years, he says to his wife, his wives, they have a meeting and they say, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And they leave in the middle of the night, pretty much. And the father-in-law charges after them and accuses them of stealing his idols. Now, happens to be he was right, because Rachel did steal all the idols. But she didn't tell her husband, Yaakov. And Laban comes, and he accuses them. He says, look, you took something from me. And Jacob said, I've been working for you for 20 years. I've never even taken one needle. I haven't taken anything from you ever. Now, this is a foreign concept. The concept of being in someone's house for 20 years and never, ever, ever taking something inappropriately, it like boggles the mind. It's, it, it's, it's not, the, not the world that we live in. I'll tell you. You know, the world that we live in is that if you don't get caught, then, 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 then you can do it. Now, we try our best to maintain good values, but, but that's the world we live in. I'll tell you a story once. I was one time in a, um, a study, uh, study room, and there was a small fridge, which was where people could put their private, you know, milk or soda or whatever it was. And I'm sitting there with this person who I just met. And the person wanted a coffee. I said, sure, you could take coffee. But I said, you know, I don't think there's any public milk there right now. Because sometimes there was public milk, sometimes there wasn't public milk. And this person went over to a private milk in the fridge. It was clearly private. And he poured a little bit of milk into his coffee. And I said, really in all innocence, I said, you know, I don't know if you realize that's not the pro that's not the public one that's a private one and he said are you accusing me of stealing i said i wasn't trying to i honestly thought you didn't realize that it was pub that was private because i didn't think you would take something if it had someone else's name on it and he got so angry at me and he said that's not stealing you're allowed to take things from other people it's a little bit they don't mind now I'm not saying there's not a time and place for that. There may be a time and place amongst certain family and friends where, where you know, there's a certain expectation. But, you know, I'll give another example. You know, we, the, the, the Torah says what belongs to you, God, is yours. And what doesn't belong to you is not yours. And that, that's a real, that's a very real thing. Um, you know, you go to a store, you, you can't just sample things. Can't just sample food and leave it. Um, so um, 
This is just the high sensitivity that Yaakov was able to say about himself. I was in your house for 20 years and never took a thing I shouldn't have taken. I mean, uh, today they say a common thing is, is in the workforce today. You know, we all have our phones and we all have our internet and, and we're supposed to be putting in 60 minute hours. I saw a study once that if people put in 60 minute hours, like the workforce would like triple. Um, even we work for ourselves. I work for myself, you know, you, it's amazing how much time gets zapped up. And um, I even saw a new stat. It said that today when you hire someone, it's expected that they're going to have a certain amount of internet browsing time during the workday. <laughs> it's like, it's a different world today. So those are a few of the, uh, of the amazing lessons, but just uh, a couple more. So probably one of the most famous acts of, of selflessness is in this week's Torah portion. So Yaakov works for seven years, assuming he's about to marry Rachel, Rachel. His father-in-law does a switch. Now Yaakov knew his father-in-law was a real shyster. And he made uh, a plan with Rachel. He said, look, you know what? I know your father-in-law is going to send your sister instead. And we're not going to fall for it. And they made some secret passwords, some code. I don't know what it was. And they were supposed to do that, um, you know, because it's going to be a veil, a thick veil. And he wasn't going to be able to see her. I guess the sister's pie looked very similar. And they were going to do all this this action. Now, this girl, this, this Leah, she was very, she realized that she was going to be so embarrassed because her father was forcing her to go to the wedding, crazy guy, and she's going to get up there, and then Jacob's going to realize it's the wrong wife, and the wrong girl, and she's going to be so embarrassed. Rachel realizes this, and she gives up everything. When she, she goes over to her sister, says, you know what? I know dad's being a real crazy head. He's pushing you in there. And, and, and he's, my, he's my groom. She loved him. And she didn't know at the time that Jacob was going to end up marrying both of them. As far as she was concerned, she was about to give up the, becoming the mother of the Jewish people. And she goes to her sister and says, you know what? Here's the code word. Give the code word. You'll, and then you'll, you'll become Jacob's uh, wife. And, and she didn't know at the time. And she, why did she do it? Because she didn't want to embarrass her sister. She gave up everything, literally everything, to not embarrass her sister. And this is considered the big, big lesson that we learned. How important it is to not embarrass people, how much we have to be willing to give up. And this was something that was coming to her. It was her husband. It was her right. Sure. Her fiance had worked seven years for this. And, and, and it, but she gave up everything. Um, but she did not want to embarrass someone. And Pete, and today I heard this from one of my teachers most, all of us are starving for respect. 
whether we know it or not, whether they want to admit to it or not. We create one of the pie, pie on the biggest needs that people have today. is respect and the opposite if someone ends up embarrassing someone or or, or 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 being somehow involved in making someone feel less respected it it just it's, it's just it can kill someone it says in the rambam famously that if you make someone's face turn white which means you embarrass them it's like you killed them literally like you killed them you know, there's a term people will say, oh, my gosh, I almost died. Right. It's, people talk that way and they don't mean it, but but it, it came from a real thing. So let's do a quick review. What we talked about tonight, talked about how. When Yaakov was nervous, what does he ask God for? He says, God, please help me that I don't that I don't speak not nicely. And we learned from that said when you're in danger, make sure you speak nicely. On the other hand, if you feel you're in danger of not speaking nicely, then um, it's important to ask for that help, and that's okay. We saw from the famous uh, Hemagdavar, he says that when Yaakov came, he just met strangers, and he just was so friendly. You got to be friendly and nice to everybody. We learned from that same interaction from Yaakov and from the Panovich Rebbe that that you can sometimes you can say things to someone which they need to hear, which may be hard to hear if they know that you care and that you love them. And if you you, you cultivate that love and concern for, for people, you'll be able to say things and people will will will, uh, will feel that. We talked about how the importance of, of, of recognizing what's yours and not taking from others, how it's very hard, it's sensitivity, but it is something that the Torah does demand to us. We talked about how Yaakov looked and tried to find out appropriate information about his what, his mother's family so he could be sensitive. And we talked to people, yes, we can't be perfect. We can't, you know, we try our best to be sensitive to everyone, but something to try to find someone who we're going to be spending time with, try to find out you know, with an appropriateness, what's going to be something that would, would that person maybe need you to be a little more careful about talking. And we learned about from Jacob's ladder, how in life, either you're going up or you're going down. You don't have to be doing, you know, taking leaps and jumps, but you got to keep staying, going up, going up, because you go up, you don't go up, you're going down. But at the same time, we do fall. You get back up. And that, oh, and lastly, we learned from Rachel how important it is to not embarrass anybody. And almost at all costs, so many stories throughout our tradition of people, people did amazing things to not embarrass others. And usually people realize it. And if people realize, someone realizes that you saved their respect, you saved their dignity, you have them for life. And that will surely, as the class is called, will make us love your neighbor. Have a wonderful Shabbos. And...